Welcome along to the Loftcast. I'm Paul Morrissey from the club's media team. I'm joined today by club ambassador Andy Sinton and my media colleague Andy Watkins. After Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Friday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, we have a week's break until our next game. The fixtures have been relentless, but FA Cup run aside, it's been a tough period for the R's. We'll be dissecting all that, looking ahead to Saturday's game at Stoke and catching up with Grant Hall who has made a successful return following what's been a nightmare two-year period of injury trouble. It's all right here on the Loftcast. Since Watto, thanks for joining us uh, today on the Loftcast. Um, the first Loftcast in a little while because we haven't been able to move for QPR fixtures. Um, the last one we did was prior to the FA Cup tie against Watford when we were joined by Lee Cook. And that game itself was a... Was it a proud, proud in defeat, I suppose, is the way you'd sum that up. And then since then, the 3-2 defeat to West Brom, the 2-0 loss to Middlesbrough, then the 1-0 win over Leeds, and then Saturday's desperately disappointing 3-0 defeat at Brentford. Since looking back generally over those games, we were talking more detail about Brentford, of course, but more generally speaking, the games prior to that, we have been unlucky in certain games. Um, like I say, we'll, we'll separate Brentford from that, but certainly against Watford, uh, we were very unfortunate and many felt that we certainly probably were, were the better of the two teams on the night. And then the, the 3-2 defeat to West Brom where we had to finish the game with 10 men because Luke Freeman went off injured. 2-0 um, defeat at Middlesbrough, which was disappointing. And then the 1-0 the win over Leeds. It's been a, a funny period. Yeah, it's been a bit of a mixed bag. A mixed bag in terms of um, you know, performances, uh, decisions that have sometimes gone against us. But, you know, in... If you look at the Watford game, I think we did really, really well. Could have took it all away. You know, Tony's last-minute near-miss, if you mm. like. Um, then you play a really good West Brom side and, you know, start the game poorly but grow into the game. And at 2-2, I think we're going to be the team that's going to go and win it. You lose Luke with 10 minutes to go. You play the last 10 minutes with uh, 10 men. And, you know, West Brom with a quality score in the 94th minute. You go up to Middlesbrough, you concede after two minutes. So any game plan you've got is is out the window and we probably <clears throat> got what we deserved up there. I thought we were excellent when we bounced back against Leeds. Mm. You know, Leeds are a really good side. You only have to look at what they did three days later against West Brom when they put four past them. Uh, they're a really good side. We were excellent on the night. Uh, Luke Freeman got the winner, but his all-around performance along with many in the team were really, really good. And then you're hoping to follow it up when you go to your local rivals. I'll tell you what, against Leeds, there was nothing more QPR than us beating Leeds. We'd lost seven on the spin. We play the team who are looking to go top of the league. It was so QPR that it, it, it was just <laughs> going to happen that we were going to win that game. And while we hoped that was going to be the catalyst for a good run of form, like earlier in the season after we had the, the four defeats at the start of the campaign, that didn't happen on Saturday. And going to the game then against Brentford at, at Griffin Park... How would you dissect that? The first half, it was much of a muchness. There was one opportunity really for Brentford. We didn't create too much, but there wasn't much between the two sides. And then the turning point was the penalty right at the start of the second half. I mean, blimey, we've had a lot of QPR games. How many penalties <laughs> have been involved in conversations around QPR games? But that penalty right at the start of the second half gave Brentford the, their lead. And from then, you'd have to say Brentford went up a notch and... Steve McLaren said it afterwards, we didn't react to going a goal down and you, you couldn't argue with the, the result in the end. And if you look at the highlights, to be blunt, 3-0 probably flattered us. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. That, you know, you, you, you're going to Brentford. You come off the back of a really good win, which 
we were hoping would halt the 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 rot that they were in. You know, um, you go to Brentford, really good side at home. If you look at the home form, it's really really good. I think the previous four games I'd won all four. They scored five against Hull, five against Blackburn, uh, three against someone else, and beat Aston Villa where they <coughs> where they were excellent. So that's always going to be a difficult game. So I thought we in the first half it was a really scrappy affair, no chances. Uh, Berahina had one in the. Uh, he's dinked the keeper but it's got the wrong side of the post but I think you know we would have gone in half time I said on commentary the commentator asked me and I said you know really really happy with how we are at half time let's go on the second half let's be a little bit more forward thinking if you like let's play a little bit more in Brentford's half I'm sure that was the game plan I'm sure that was the gist of the the conversation at half time unfortunately two minutes into the second half Mm. that goes out the window um, firstly, your, your thoughts on the penalty. We'll be speaking to Grant Hall later on that, but obviously he was the one who judged to have committed the foul. What were your thoughts on the penalty? Soft, harsh, um, not a penalty. I think if you look at the incident itself, um, I thought at the time, and uh, I certainly haven't watched it back three, four, five times, you know, I think Ollie Watkins makes the first contact with Hawley. Uh, there's a coming together, and they both go over in the box, and the referee... Seems to think Grant's fouled him, so uh, that's gone against us. On a criticism point of view, I'd like to sort of, if I was dissecting that, so we got done over the top with a with a long ball. You know, maybe Grant's not aware he's where Watkins is. Doesn't look like there's any communication. So there's a couple of issues there before you actually get to the incident, and it just seems on those key incidents, mistakes, we're getting punished, but. Uh, Going back to the penalty, I thought it was really, really harsh, and I think that was the real... Well, I don't think, I know, that was the turning point of the game. Take us into a a training ground in this scenario. We'll talk about the rest of the game in a moment, but in terms of the penalty, and like you say, perhaps there were a couple of issues with it, was their communication, etc., been done over the top by the ball. How does that, in your experience in the past, if that happened in a, a game where you were playing, how does that issue get analysed and resolved? Well, for every goal you score, and certainly every goal you concede, you know, Jerry Francis was brilliant at it. Um, he used to take you back, and for every goal that you concede, there's probably two or three things you you should have done better. It's not just the final thing. Mm. No, well, because I suppose, by and large, for any goal to be scored, there's a mistake somewhere along the yeah, line. That's, not, that's what I'm saying. There's normally three or four. First of all, if you look at that goal, I was saying, you know what, was the pressure on the ball on the halfway line? No. You know, where was our line? Was it too high? Did it leave grass in behind? Possibly yes. Uh, Watkins gets off the bl- uh, on the blind side of Hawley. Comes from Jake Bidwell. Jay, um, Grant probably doesn't know he's there until it's too late. Has Jake given some communication to pass him on? So there you go. There's three or four things that you would probably analyse when it goes against you to say, you know what, we could have done that better. And as I say... Uh, big turning point in the game because that lifts them um, and maybe two minutes into the second half you know we've conceded a few goals early in games and previous games you know and think of you, know, you go back to Wigan you go back to um, Middlesbrough you go back to West Brom there's three goals in the first six or seven minutes two minutes into the second half having gone in a half time comfortable you know maybe it's just a, a little bit of lack of um, what's the word um, concentration if you like uh, and you get Brentford for me were going to change in the second half I thought the likes of Maupai and Ollie Watkins and Baron would look to run in behind a little bit more that's what they did in the first two minutes and we got caught 
And Steve McLaren said afterwards that at half time he was happy. And what he said to the players was, expect an onslaught for the next 10, 15 minutes. Get through this and we can win this game. And unfortunately, we, we didn't get, get through the, the initial stages of that onslaught. But I think then what disappointed the manager was the reaction to going a goal down. It lifted Brentford, but QPR struggled to, to move with them. Yeah, and that's probably a factor from the, the the last sort of six weeks prior to that. You know, that's really, really disappointing for me because from being solid, giving nothing away, they score the penalty. Let's face it, two minutes later, they should make it 2-0. Joe makes an incredible save. Uh, the game gets a little bit open. Um, now they catch us for the second goal. Joe's made another couple of really good saves. One stunning from save from a header. An outstanding save. And to be honest, it pains me to say it, I think it was a 3-0 win for Brentford. It could have been a lot more, and I dare I say it was really, really comfortable for them. And as I say, for them, um, that actually quite hurts to say, but you know, you're playing against your local rivals down the road, and to come off the game losing it by the scoreline, but in the manner, I think was the most disappointing thing for, for me, the players, the manager, and his staff, and more importantly, the fans. Well, not looking for excuses, it was a disappointing performance, disappointing result against our local rivals. Nine games in 28 days is a, a tough old stint with, by and large, the same nucleus of players as well. Was it perhaps a, a game too far, a half too far, where Brentford suddenly start popping it around the pitch full of confidence, 1-0 up? Could that be a factor or am I uh, clutching at straws here since? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Could be a factor. I think we're clutching a little bit, you know, and I... You know, Brentford went a long way in the cup. You know, you you saw Leeds come to us and were well below their best, but give us credit. But you saw what they did at West Brom three days later. You know, it's about every game you've got to take it on some merits. You've got to be ready. You've got to you've got to start games well. You've got to get through blocks of the game. Whether it's ten minutes, fifteen blocks, you've got to just got to be a little bit hard at the play against. I thought we were far far too easy to play against on Saturday. And uh, Mr. Watkins, our uh Social media manager, you know what's coming. Uh, we do try to keep an eye. We do keep an eye on uh, social media activity. And you have to say this season, we've spoken about it on numerous occasions, win, lose or draw. The reaction on social media has largely been really positive. You know, unlucky, go again. Great effort, lads. Next time, keep your heads up, etc. Um, but I'd imagine it wasn't quite like that after the game at, at Griffin Park. Yeah, fair to say it's um, understandably been a bit a bit down um, amongst the fans the last few weeks, which is inevitable after the the run we've been on. Um, and I think yeah, I think Saturday was particularly disappointing. Being Brentford, you know, we've it's happened before the last few seasons, and being the local rivals, like, it's a game that you know, particularly the home game here this season was probably one of the the highlights. Looking back at the season and the, mm. the three goals we scored in a. I think about a 10-minute spell in the atmosphere here was probably the best it's been all season. So I know it's a game that the fans always look forward to, you know, pack out the away end. And um, I think they were, would have been hoping that this season it could be different and given the last few trips we've had there. But obviously, as it turned out, it wasn't to be and it was, a, it was another defeat and we'll have to try and put that right next season. So, yeah, understandably, the fans were were disappointed um, on Saturday and I think even more so like you said the first half you know it was nil nil when we were in the game and to then suddenly within a couple of minutes of the second half we were then chasing it. Yep uh, my uh, son was in the away end uh, upper tier and I think he learned a few new words <laughs> but what I would say is and I actually looked for it myself at the final whistle 
when the players were walking off the pitch, and obviously the tunnel is right down by the away end in that corner. Yep. Um, I was looking for the reaction of the QPR fans because we've seen it in years gone by where that can be a, a, a harsh walk for uh, QPR players and management walking across that pitch if the result hasn't gone well. And obviously the result didn't go well. The second half performance was disappointing. And I was looking to see what sort of reaction there would be from the QPR fans. And you have to point out, a lot of fans had left before the final whistle. But those that did stay, as the the players were walking across the pitch and the players were applauding the fans, the fans were applaud, applauding the players back. And I, I just thought it was a real decent gesture from the fans because they weren't applauding the performance, you have to say, because yeah. the performance was disappointing. But they were apl- applauding the, the players. And I, 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 it, I have to say it surprised me because I thought they might come in for bit of criticism here walking across you know everyone's emotional upset after losing heavily to local rivals but I thought the fans were absolutely excellent at the, at the final whistle yeah and I think we've I think I mean the opposition fans sometimes after a win you know we've had the wins here and the players do the sort of lap of appreciation it seems on a regular basis win lose or draw mm. and I think that's something that perhaps we haven't had in previous seasons where players have been accused of you know not caring or not putting putting in a shift and obviously I can't speak for, for Saturday but certainly in other games and at, you know the run of results we've had it's not been for the lack of trying you know and the, I think the fans can appreciate the players have have been putting in the shift and you know game after game and whether it be a you know a late penalty decision or you know the West Brom one and I think that's it I think you can see you know at the end of a game whatever the result um, you know the fans you know stand and applaud the players which mm. I think yeah is refreshing because it's it's not always been like that, like you say, the last couple of years. And just a word on Grant Hall, we'll be speak speaking to him very shortly. Um, he's played seven games in four weeks and he's seemingly come out the other side now after what has effectively been two very tough years. Um, he only played five games last season. His injury trouble started in um, April 2017. So we're coming up to the, the two-year anniversary, if you like, and he's now touch wood back in the side a regular in the side and to play seven games in the space of four weeks you can't get a better indicator than that that someone is over their injury troubles hopefully well first of all I think um, not only me but I think everyone at the club fans included are delighted to see Grant Hall back on the pitch you know two years ago he was he was absolutely outstanding you know um just like any player at any given time, you can run into a couple of issues. You can run into a couple of um, injury problems. His lasted probably longer than <coughs> he would have certainly liked or felt at the time. You know, it was a long, long one, and you know, uh, I'm sure we'll hear from him about how he how he dealt with that and everything that goes around that. But um, yeah, just delight to see him back on the pitch. You know, and uh, it's a short career anyway, football. But when you waste through no fault of your own the best part of two years that's a big big chunk but he's back I think he's uh, you know getting back to where he was still got a bit to go yet but uh, we're just delighted to uh, just delighted to see him back on the pitch okay well let's hear from Grant Hall now who spoke with Matt Webb at the Harlington training ground well Grant I guess we have to start with Saturday is this desperately disappointing defeat at Brentford. You've had all weekend to mull it over. Just, just what went wrong? Um, I think the first half was okay. You know, we were solid. Obviously, they're a very good team. Um, so we went. You know, we were very solid in the first half. Coming nil nil, we was happy. But I still don't think we was playing to our full potential. You know, we didn't look after the ball well enough when we got it back. 
Um, and obviously disappointed in the second half. I mean, the penalty I've given away was never a penalty. You know, I've looked back. I've looked back at it as well. He's pushed me clearly, but the ref said I've pulled him down. But I didn't even know, I didn't even know he was there. You know, I had no shout from behind me, so it was never a penalty. But it, it seems like it's just these, these things are going against us at the moment. Um, but the second half was poor from us, and we didn't deserve anything from the game. I thought Brentford were a lot better team than us. Did heads drop after that? Uh, that penalty award. I'm, I think they they did. I sort of we looked a bit deflated after that, and we couldn't find a way back in the game. We didn't we didn't create enough in the game, and we was poor when we had the ball. Um, I think Brentford were a lot better than us with the ball, and obviously they're they're a very good side at home. I think they've they've won their last unbeaten their last nine games or something at home. So um, yeah, they'd won six. Yeah, the spin at home before before uh, before Saturday's game. Yeah, so as soon as they got ahead, you know, it's always an uphill battle for us. But um, I think, yeah, we was it was it was a poor reaction from us after going one 0 down. To be fair, and um, we looked a bit deflated, and it's it's been a difficult month for us, as as everyone can see as well. Obviously, we had the win over Leeds, fantastic win over Leeds. Is it especially disappointing when you go from the kind of euphoria of Leeds to how it was against Brentford on Saturday? Yeah, definitely it was. Um, you know, we wanted to sort of kick on from the Leeds game and try and uh, get a result at, at Brentford. And obviously things didn't go our way. So, you know, it's another kick in the teeth for us. Um, but all we can do is, you know, keep pushing forward. And uh, there's still a lot of games to play in the league. So, um, you know, we, we want to get to 50 points as quick as possible. I think that's the aim at the moment. And then and then go from there. So um, it's a tough league. Every, every game's difficult, you know. And if, if you're not out, you get beat like we did Saturday. Mm-hmm. It's obviously Griffin Park's obviously been a bit of a difficult hunting ground. I think that's our yeah. fourth consecutive loss uh, in four seasons. There, you can you can see why it is frustrating for the supporters because it's become, unfortunately, it's become a bit of the norm to, to go there and put in a disappointing display. Yeah, it's understandable. I mean, I, I feel the fans' frustration. You know, um, I say the last four we haven't picked up a result there. It's a tough place to go, not just for us, for any team. Um, Brentford are very good sides. But, you know, um, we can't change that now. The, the game's gone, the results happened, and we have to move on to Stoke on Saturday. I promise it will get a bit more light-hearted, but <laughs> eight, eight championship defeats in nine. Are... Yeah. Looking at, looking at the season in general, are we in a bit of danger now of, uh, well, wasting a lot of good work that went in before and over the Christmas New Year period? Because uh, it was we put in a number of good performances and results, but, but since the turn of the year, it's not really gone for us, is it? Yeah, I think it's just inconsistency. You know, that's that's been the story since I've been at the club. To be honest, we've, every season we've been inconsistent. We've had very good spells and then very poor spells. And you know, we need that needs to change. Um, obviously, losing eight out of nine is unacceptable. We know that. But I think in a lot of them games, you know, we shouldn't have been beaten. We was unlucky not to get something from the game, and decisions have gone against us as well. But obviously, we can't make excuses. You know, we at the end of the day, we've lost eight games and it's poor. So um, yeah. Um, to say we're in trouble, I wouldn't say we're in trouble. You know, we're just looking to get to 50 points as soon as possible. I mean, there's still quite a comfortable gap between us and obviously the bottom three at the moment. So um, hopefully we can pick up a win Saturday and then push on from there. Mixed emotions for you, isn't it? Because defeats aside, you must be so pleased to finally be getting finally be getting a run of games. It's been a really difficult couple of years for you. Yeah, I've, I've just taken positives from each game, you know. Um, it's obviously a difficult situation to come back into the team. Uh, but I say I can only take positives. I, I, there was a point where I, I never thought I'd play again. So for me to to be in the team and fully fit and had no reaction with my knee, I think I've played seven games in the space of a month, which is something I've not done in a long, long time. So that's a massive plus. Mm-hmm. I sat in an, on an interview you did after Leeds and that's the first kind of time I'd heard you say I never thought I'd play again and I found that really interesting. I just wanted to get a bit more detail on that. 
Well, yeah, I tried everything with my knee. You know, um, I tried injections. I, I tried rehab two or three times. Kept breaking down. I went to see a specialist. You know, that didn't work. And then the only other option was obviously the operation. But I was skeptical about having the operation because. I knew the difficulties that the injury brought. Um, Owen Hargreaves, I use an example. I looked into him and he had to retire because of the injury and he went to see the best specialist in the world and had operations. So, you know, it, it was it was a big decision, but a decision that had to be made at the end of the day because I couldn't, I ticked every other box to try and fix my knee and nothing worked. So luckily the operation worked and, you know, I'm, I am where I am now and I'm, I'm very positive now. But it was, um, yeah, the toughest thing I've ever had to deal with, yeah. Mm. Did you view that up as a kind of last chance saloon for you? Yeah, ultimately it was. You know, if that didn't work, I, I didn't really have any other way to go, to be honest. And obviously I didn't have a plan B of what I wanted to do. You know, all thoughts were going through my head. I struggled. I struggled mm. with an injury massively. And I obviously came out speaking about mental health and stuff like that because um, it, it did impact me mm. more than what I thought it did, to be honest. Um, and it, yeah, it was tough. It was a tough time for me. Yeah, mental health in, in football and in kind of wider wider scale has never really been more in the spotlight. It's really interesting to, to get your, your thoughts on it. And do you think maybe more more can be done for, for players that are struggling like you, like you did? Yeah, I agree. I think a lot more can be done. I think, you know, a lot of men, you know, they keep things to themselves. You know, it's just, it's, it's just the nature of how we are. Um, and I'm the same. I kept it to myself for a long, long time because I didn't really know who to speak to, to be honest. Um, I didn't want to speak to my family because they've they've not been involved in the whole football environment, the pressures of it, and I didn't want to speak to anyone at the club because I see them on a day-to-day basis, so I had to be someone um, from outside the club, from the PFA, and I'm glad I did now. Um, I, it felt like a weight off my shoulders. But a lot of players are starting to come out and talk about things now, which is a very good sign, and you shouldn't be ashamed to talk about things, you know, especially if you're struggling. So did you feel like you had to ultimately go and, and see someone to, to talk yeah, about things? Yeah, it, it was just a release for me because I was still struggling with the after effects of the injury. Even though I was back, you know, training. I wasn't playing at the time. I was back training on, on the bench and stuff. And But I always had the thought in my head when I did start playing again, how would my knee react, you know, and would it blow up again? And, you know, it was it was, it was difficult for me to deal with. And just to speak to someone and get their insight to the things they've been through in their career, um, and just, just um, as I say, just to talk about it, and it felt like a massive weight off my shoulders after I spoke to someone, and I feel great now. You, do you kind of remember the point where, the, you, do you remember like the darkest day for you? Is there, is there a certain point? You... No, I wouldn't say it was just one day. It was different days. You know, there were days where I'd come in to train, and you know, I'd look okay, but I wasn't. You know, I was doing the same, the same stuff every day. You know, repetitive rehab. You know, and it, I'm just looking at the boys train outside, and it was killing me. You know, but. I kept a smile on my face, but everyone thought I was fine, but I wasn't. You know, I went home and just sat there and I was depressed, really. Um, I wouldn't say it was just one day, you know, it was multiple days where I'd, I had really bad days, yeah. Mm. Oh, and obviously, I, I thought, you know, I might have to retire, yeah. Thankfully, it's hopefully not, well, hopefully it's not something you've got to worry about now, but <laughs> yeah. does it kind of highlight the the need to have an idea of what you're going to do when you finish playing football? Uh, I believe so because you never know what can happen in life. You know, not just in football, in life in general. You know, Cause you uh, said there that you were, you were panicking about where, where you go yeah, next, and, and even even for players, I guess when they retire, they come you know mid to late thirties and they retire. It's like, well, what do I do now? Isn't it? I think if, as you see, a lot of footballers when they retire, you know, that they struggle with alcohol addiction, you know, gambling, um, depression, mental health because they haven't got anything else to like to do. You know what? They've only ever known football their whole lives, and the same with me. I've only ever known football. So once that's taken away from you, 
it's sort of like, what do you do now? You know, it's, it's a massive part of your life, football. It's and it's a short career at the end of the day, and I think you do have to have things put in place to, you know, to where you want to go after your career. And I think you know the PFA and stuff can help with things like that as well, with regards to mental health. You know, helping players that retire what they want to do and stuff like that. And I think it's um, there's a big opportunity to do things like that. Now, one of your only problems is, is keeping your place in the team, which is a nice a nice problem to have given what's gone before in the last couple of years. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm I'm just looking to get obviously try and find the form that I had before the injury, and uh, I've been out a long time. You know, I can't expect to be at my best every game. I've been happy with quite a few of the games, to be fair, and there's been like a couple of games that I've not been happy with where I've not performed to the level I want to be at. But um, to play the amount of games I have done in a period of time is a massive, massive positive. And I know for a fact I'll get back to the higher level that I was at, but I think it's just going to take a little bit of time, you know. It, to be out for 18 months and come back into the championship, you know, it's, it's very difficult because it's a very demanding league. And, and Stoke on Saturday, the, the win over Leeds proved that victory can make things feel that, that little bit better and it certainly would do at the weekend. Yeah, of course, you know, we're, we need a result, you know. It's a massive game for us and especially at home, you know, we want to put on a show for the fans we we need a good performance as well, not just a result. We need to put a performance in, and we need to obviously sort of get away from that bottom three. So I say, as soon as we get can get to fifty points, the better. An excellent interview there um, from Grant Hall, and also credit to Matt Webb who conducted the interview. Um, a very good interview, and what Grant said was was very honest, wasn't it? Since that's very forthright. He's very honest, uh, you know, about the performance on Saturday at Brentford, about him getting back in the side, where he thinks he is. Uh, but for me, most importantly, you know, stuff he talked about during his period that he's was out of the team and out of the game. Let's um, say I think he deserves a lot of credit for for opening up. Certainly, some of the stuff he said resonated with me on a, on a couple of levels. But uh, no, a, a great. Really good, honest interview, and uh, I say it was a it was a it was a good listen, but it was a hard listen, if that makes sense. I suppose, um, and he alluded to it there. He said he almost all of a sudden he was thinking about retirement and life after football, and all he's known is football, and he hadn't really thought about it. And he said, "I didn't have a a plan B," and he's suddenly thinking about what he will do when football isn't part of his life and thankfully he's overcome those challenges but it's probably opened his eyes to the fact that that day will come when he does retire Uh, hopefully it's not for a a long long time but that day will come and for a lot of players and Grant mentioned it there you hear about a lot of players who have challenges after they retire whether it be financial challenges mental challenges Um, how difficult is it because from the, the outside looking in you see a very wealthy player retire and he's he's 35 years old and he doesn't financially have to work again and it's difficult to to feel too much sympathy for someone in that situation but it does bring its challenges it certainly does and the fact that you're a footballer and people say to me you're doing something you love and you're getting well paid get all that it doesn't make it any easier you know when that day comes we know it's coming um, but some of the things Grant was talking about, if I go back to his injury, um, you know, I had one at Spurs when I was playing there, nowhere near as bad as Grant, so I was out for about three and a half months, you know, had the operation, started my rehab, couldn't lift the, doing leg extensions to build the strength up with my quads in and around the knee, couldn't lift the top weight, 
you know, 1.5 kilograms. I just couldn't lift it. You know, leg shaking. Uh, you go home. That swirls around in your mind. You know, is that ever going to be the same again? I'm ever going to be at play at the standard? Because you've got your pride. You know, you want to get back. Uh, you get on the treadmill and your leg gives way. Uh, you've almost got to like train yourself to run again, if that makes sense. So you go home, you speak to people, you put on a brave face, but you go home and the doubts creep in. And as I say, mine was nowhere near as bad as Grant's. And I was 28 at the time, bearing in mind I've had a fantastic career. Uh, Grant's almost just starting his career. Yeah. At least I had some. But what I'm trying to say is mine was, uh, I got back very four months I was out with mine. But the doubts that crept in just on that, was I going to get back playing? Would I be the same again? All of that were really, really hard to contend with. Then he talks about, you know, he's 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 thinking about, is he ever going to play again? What's he going to do? You know, it's very easy for people to say, you know, prepare yourself for when that day comes. You never prepare. Mm. You think you can. I thought I did. But when that day comes where something you love is taken away from you, uh, there's a massive void, and you've got to try and fill that void as best you can, however you can. Now, looking at myself, you know, I filled it with things, got involved with a few businesses, if you like, which didn't know the first thing about, to be honest. Uh, you know, so you're out of your comfort zone, and that creates its own problems, you know. Uh, and I can I can think at, at my time, I was quite lucky. I had a great family around me, but I was, to an extent, I was in a little bit of a dark hole myself. And I remember recognizing I probably needed a little bit of help because I was I was almost lost to a degree and I remember realizing I needed to speak to someone so I picked up the phone wanting to speak to an organization but then when they asked for my name and number I put the phone down because I didn't want to tell them who mm. I was it's almost like if I tell them who I was it's a bit of a weakness so I can relate to that also from a parent point of view because um, mental health affects people around you as well I saw it with my son you know who's in the academy system from 12 years old uh, chasing the dream trying to follow the footsteps of his dad if you like um, had injury setback operation after operation by the time he was 16 17 cutting a long story short 18 got released now if he was sitting with a group of guys at a football game uh, watching the TV you would think you know what he's great he's got a smile on his face he can hold a conversation I used to see him when he went home and shut the front door and lock himself in his bedroom and I couldn't get two words out of him you know because he hadn't even had a career so I look back now and as a parent I think you know could I have supported him in his hour of need a little bit better could I have reacted to certain things that he did a little bit better could I have seen the signs that he needed someone to speak to could I have got round the perception that he had of himself of being a failed footballer? You know, so all of that. So, so for Grant to say what he was saying, they really resonated with me. And I'm delighted that in the professional game, not only in sport, but now in life, the mental health issues are being recognised and there are more tools and more people for people to go and speak to because it's, it's vitally, vitally, vitally important, you know, no matter who you are, where you've played. You know, we see some really high-profile players go off the rails, mm. you know, and you think, you know, how's that happened? But it's when something that you're working towards, that you dream about, that you crave is suddenly snatched away from you, whether you played a 100 games, a 1,000 games, or whatever, you know, it's it's really, really tough. And I don't want people to listen to 
certainly footballers, because I hear a lot about them and think, you know, they're looking for sympathy. They're not looking for sympathy. It happens in all walks of life. You know, I, I really feel for the guy who's worked in a bank for 20 years and all of a sudden is made redundant. Mm. You know, because he's got to go through the same. He's got a family to support. Where's his next mortgage payment going to be made? How's he going to pay? The, how's he going to put shoes on his child's feet? You know, all of that comes into it. So it's really, really tough. So uh, Grant... And you know what? He said a couple of things in his interview. And I remember seeing Grant at the training ground on the few occasions that I'm up there. When he was going through his rehab, and I would say, Grant, you okay? And he'd go, yes, and I'm fine. Well, he just said there, he wasn't fine. Mm. He was fine to, because he felt that was the right thing to do. But he didn't think he could speak to uh, anyone at the club, for obvious reasons. You know, and with males, we, we, we tend to try and deal with things ourselves. You know, it's, I think now in the, the days that we live in it's not a weakness to admit mm. that you're struggling anymore and actually it's a strength so not only grand but if anyone else you know out there's listening don't have to be involved with sport if you're struggling pick up the phone and speak to people yeah well said and i think you're right obviously grant hall speaking about it you speaking about the challenges you face as well the more people speak about it the more it is ex- accepted as not a weakness it's just a a part of life and People are more readily talk about it and, and that can, can help them through it. And that was certainly the case with Grant Horn. And huge credit to him for seeking help from the PFA because that can be a big challenge in itself, recognising that there is an issue and, and looking to resolve it. And hopefully now he's come through that from a physical point of view. Um, he's overcome the, the challenge of the injury. But from a mental point of view, yeah. he's put himself in the best possible position to to, to be at his best both on the pitch and away from football as well. Yeah, 100%. And, he, you know, you mentioned the PFA and, you know, we work closely with the PFA, with the Forever R's and the Number 10 Foundation, the QPR. You know, it's uh, the PFA do some some really, really good work and um, it's important they do because the important thing is when people speak to them, it's in strictest confidence as well. So, so sometimes, you know, when me included or a, a fan looks at a player let's say we sign someone from overseas and he doesn't quite hit the ground running that might be so that's not just he's having to deal with yeah. being overseas kids coming over in new schools might be having a house built that's hitting some problems you know his wife or girlfriend might not be able to settle all of that swirls around so there's i was speaking to someone on a course a few um few months ago you know that the the art of a football player or football coach and a manager now I think they mentioned a percentage, something like 20% regarding the football side of things. 80% now how you manage situations, how you manage people's welfare and well-being. So, uh, now well done to Grant. It was a really fantastic interview, very open interview. As I said before, we're delighted he's back on the pitch. And let's hope by you know, even sharing with, with Matt Webb, great work done from Matt. You know, we can he can push on and people can give him that support and get him back to his best because, as I said, a couple of years ago, he was a real top player for Queen's Park Rangers and we need him back and want him back there as soon as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what are your thoughts on um, how Grant Hall has done since returning? He said himself that he feels he's done well, well in some games, not well in others. I suppose that's to be expected after the amount of time he's had out. But he, he always shows that um, that element of class, doesn't he, during games? Yeah, I mean, it's... Um it's it's a shame how long you know he was he was out for um you know you have to hark back to you know a couple of years ago and he was our player of the season and how well he was he was playing and you know we've obviously seen Hawley in and around the training ground you know I can remember seeing him in the summer in the gym on his own with a as he said you know with a, a smile on his face and putting a brave face on and um now it's great to see him 
back on the pitch and you know the, the challenge he has now is is fighting for his, his shirt which is a you know the challenge he wants to have mm. so it's great to see him out there um and yeah you know like he said himself there's games where he's he's felt he's, he's done well there's other games where he thinks he could have done better and you know i think of the you know it's been a, it's been a different difficult spell for him to come back into you know the the run that we've had and you know the, the amount of games we've had in such a short space of time where he's he's not played for so long and then having to to play so many minutes um so it's great that he's come through with those without any repercussions and i think of the the leeds game i think him and tony were mm. were immense at the back so you know he's certainly he's certainly not lost at being out and um yeah it's great to see him back and just finally on, on the the brentford game itself since um like grant hall as i said accepted it wasn't a, a good enough performance second half and we, we didn't deserve anything from the game can there be benefits to losing a game in that manner where there, there are no excuses, there are no hard luck stories? It's simply a case of in that second half, we weren't good enough, we didn't deserve anything. Now go away, you've got a week to sort yourself out before your next game. I think in the immediate aftermath, there's no benefits because you know, we're fans, we're watching uh, along with the 2,000 others that went, you know, we would have been hurting like hell, the players would have been as well, mm. and Steve. Um, you know, but yeah, you, you you digest it. You you yeah you look at it. You analyze it. But two days later, forty eight hours, you you have to get back on the training ground. You have to put it behind you. Are there any benefits? The benefit is there's a game on Saturday, where we in how we approach the game, how we prepare all week, how we start the game, how we play, how we get on the front foot, how we get in Stokes' faces can determine the the result that we get and put points on the board. So are the benefits? Not at the time, but during the week you're working towards the next game. Your next game is your most important one. You're as good as your next game. So let's see what we get on Saturday. Let's hope we get a real good performance. And listen, we've seen it time and time again this season. We've, you know, you've gone to places like Aston Villa, you beat Forest, we've, we've beat Leeds twice, you know, for heaven's sake. You know, on our day, we're as good as many sides in the division unfortunately we've just been on a bad run we have to cut out the silly mistakes we have to stop feeling sorry for ourselves we've got to get rid of this oh you know what decisions are going against us which might contribute to the reaction of you know what here we go again that one's gone against us put all that to bed almost start afresh on Saturday let's get after Stone let's see if we can get a win So let's turn then to this weekend's game, Stoke City at Loftus Road. And both Andys, if I told you at the start of the season, when we play Stoke in March, if we beat them, we'll go above them in the table. You'd be thinking, well, I'll take that. You wouldn't be thinking it's 16th v 18th in the table. That's exactly what it is. Um, Stoke, there's no getting away from it. They were one of the teams that expected to be challenged at the top end of the table and they find themselves 16th. It's been a, a disappointing season for them. Certainly as I was one like many that looked at, you know, what they had, what they, the squad they had at their disposal, you know, packed with experience, internationals. And I thought they would bounce straight back. Um, I really, really did. Just shows you the strength of the championship, uh, how competitive it is, that they're languishing in mid-table but that said they've got quality right throughout their side so if we're going to get anything and hopefully we will we're going to have to be at our best Nathan Jones took over the hot seat in January um, he's had 10 games at the helm he's only won two of them so it's taken a little bit of time for, for his ideas to come across but 
They are unbeaten in their last four. They've drawn three, and then they won at the weekend a 2-0 victory against Nottingham Forest. So if you're a, a Stoke fan, you're thinking, is that an indication that his ideas are starting to, to get across? He's getting his message across, and now they're starting to um, to benefit from him. Yeah, probably. You know, um, new manager comes in, it takes a little bit of time to assess what he's got and the way he wants to play. I think Nathan Jones has done a brilliant job down at Luton. Mm. You know, he's, he's he's gone to Stoke, which is a... A big club in its own right. Expectation levels are, are quite rightly high up there, you know, with the fans, what they demand. But for one reason or another, hasn't quite happened for them. But, yep, you've just said it. Four games unbeaten. Uh, probably signs that they're getting it together. A really good victory in the last time out against Notts Forest. As I say, if you go through their squad, it makes you wonder how they are where they are. But you have no divine right. You've got to earn every point. You've got to earn every win. You've got to ready for every performance if you're not said it time and time again and we found it if you're not you get beat how big a game is this for QPR Andy um, you look at the recent run we've had it's been a, a disappointing run aside from the the victory against Leeds United which has since mentioned earlier it just shows what this team is capable of yep. the same 11 that beat Leeds United is the 11 that that um, lost at Brentford at, at the weekend it's the crazy nature of the championship, perhaps. It's a big game for QPR as we look to, to address the, the recent form. Yeah, it is. And I think the saving grace this week, as we said at the start, is that it's the first week we've not had a midweek game for a hell of a long time. So the players and have for someone it. like Steve McLaren, who is a renowned coach, that must have been one of the, the big frustrations when yeah. you know the, the run of results has been going on. He's not really been able to have the time I'm sure he would like to actually really get stuck into the players in terms of how, how they can address that. Yeah, and I think he's mentioned that quite a bit in his, in his post-match interviews. You know, it's just, it's purely been about recovery for most of the games. You know, you've just had no time to, to rest or regroup ahead of the next one. So, you know, the good thing with this one is we've had a week to finally recover, can kind of put behind February to an extent, build on what we did against Leeds. And um, yeah, we just need, you know, we've got Stoke at home, Rotherham at home, midweek next week so you've now got two two hit two games here at Loftus Road that you know let's let's do what we did against Leeds um and you know the the positivity and the confidence that everyone got from the you know the Leeds the Leeds the Leeds win the atmosphere mm. um and then you know as we've said it was disappointing for them to go and lose the way we did at Brentford but you know if we can get back to what we've been doing um and then, yeah, it'd just be be great to kind of get back get back on track, um, get a win on Saturday, and then you go into to Rotherham at home full of confidence again. And since I can see you mulling over your Stoke City dossier, <laughs> um, how, who are the players that we really need to be looking out for on Saturday? We know you. I've already said you. You look through their squad and it's, it's packed full of, you know, experience, quality. No, but if you look at someone like Benek Afobe, he's gone for 10 million quid not long ago. Mm. You know, Tom Ince, Bojan, playing the Champions League, didn't he? You know, there's, there's the three front players. Joe Allen, very instrumental. Any QPR players listening, <laughs> please turn off now. <laughs> Joe Allen, part of a Wales squad that did brilliantly a few years ago. Sam Klukas signed for loads of money a while ago. You know, you've got an England goalkeeper. So, And if you look what they've got on the bench, but you know what? Can we use that? I feel... Sometimes we're best when we're up against what's supposedly the best. You know, let's not let's respect Stoke for what they are and who they are and what they've got and what will line up against us. 
But once the game starts, no respect. Let's get in amongst them. Let's make the game hot. Let's put some tackles in like we did against Leeds. Going back to the Leeds game, you know, people might not have noticed. Mass Luonga made three massive tackles in the first 15 minutes. First 15 minutes. That sets the tone. That sets the tone. So hopefully we can approach the game in that manner. We've got quality players. We've seen it time and time again. They just need to come to the party. Just need to get that level of consistency. And I'm sure, fingers crossed, I'm hoping we'll be fine. Fingers crossed. You're right. Mr. Watkins, thanks for joining us. Mr. Sinton, thanks for joining us. And thanks for speaking so openly as well. And great to hear from Grant Hall. Um, and great to hear he's back, but also credit to him for speaking about the challenges he's faced. If anything you've listened to over the course of the last 45 minutes or so resonates with you, if you feel you need some help in that area, Minder, this season's official charity of the EFL. Um, and they can be contacted on 03001233393. That's 03001233393. Or you can text them 86463. That's 86463. Thanks very much for listening to The Loftcast. Thank <laughs> you.